Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, call the jab steps. Comes up shooting top three. Bam! Put him in the hole of fame. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Man, what more y'all want me to prove, man? Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with you do best. I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Matt, how are you today? Uh, one day closer to Thanksgiving. Hopefully everybody's got some plans safely out there, some plans to at least get a good meal in on Thursday, and thanks for hanging out with us here again. We've got another mailbag to get into, but first and foremost, man, how are you? What up, Jordan? What up, Bulls Nation? Uh, doing well. Looking forward to some overeating on Thanksgiving. Hope everybody out there has a nice, uh, safe, and, and low-key Thanksgiving holiday this year. And uh, yeah, excited to knock out some more, uh, more of this stuff in our inbox, man, because... Uh, Bulls fans just cannot get enough right now, and um, we've, we've still got a lot to get to after doing a lot of mailbag uh, on our previous episode. Yeah, Bulls fans have been great. You guys have been great in dropping us questions and voicemails and things that we can actually engage with, too. And, you know, the Lowry marketing question about his contract was really great, and it lined up exactly with something that we, we kind of had to skip over last week, Matt, when we were talking about contracts. So you guys have been giving us great questions. Continue to do that either on Twitter or at our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Let's get right into it, Matt. Let's uh, go to another voicemail. What's up, guys? Uh, this is Rob from out in Vegas. Called a, called a little while ago with a little upset reaction from the draft, but I'm over it now. I'm, I'm, I, feel, I feel good about it now. I understand we needed perimeter defense. We needed a wing, uh, a good solid one with good defense. Hopefully, uh, the young kid, you know, he stays healthy and he does his thing, you know. I like our second, I like our second round pick and I love, uh, the Dodson pick. But the reason why I'm calling is because, uh, free agency, aka basically said that they're in the, they're in the hunt for a veteran point guard and, uh, the market is looking really dry right now. So seeing how the market is super dry and we don't have a really a lot of options, I wondered, do you think that, uh, what do you think is the asking price on Rondo right now? I know he just won the, he just won a chip, he got a ring, but I might make him a little, you know, a little spicy, a little, you know, a little, a little expensive. I wouldn't mind having, you know, having him back. He has a, he has a, a coach-like mentality. Like, this dude is a champion. 
I mean, he's been a champion before LeBron, but the thing is that, come on, it's playoff Rondo. Thought. So this was voicemail right after the draft on Wednesday, uh, but I think the point it was actually I think it was Friday in the morning before free right before free agency started. Oh yeah, you're right. He dropped us two voicemails, so he must have been similar to Micah. Right. Who dropped he us. also left us a voicemail on draft night that was very just despondent and depressing. <laughs> uh, but I think his larger point about the point guard situation, even Matt, like with Rondo, with guys like Jeff Teague already signing to different teams, I think it still begs the question that we continue to ask and ask and ask is like, are they going to address uh, having limited actual point guards on this team? I know they've got a lot of switchable guards, but... Guys that actually can run the offense and a veteran point guard, which he had stated, AK had stated after the press conference and even his conversation with Mullion Haw that they were going to address it in free agency. Now it's making me lean more towards they're being very, very patient, try to capitalize on a team that struck out at a different position that the Bulls can easily make a deal with. I think Thaddeus Young makes a lot of sense with his contract in terms of if you're going to look for a trade, that's the guy, that's the piece to try to move. That could limit you down to, what, half a dozen teams, though. So I think they're going to continue to be patient here, Matt. But do you think we're going to get a another different point guard on this team before the season starts? Well, something else to, to keep in mind is that you can bring 20 players to training camp, right? You can sign a few additional players to just add to your training camp roster in addition to your 15-man roster and those two players on two-way contracts. So I expect the Bulls to add three more players in addition to Pat Will and the undrafted free agent signing of Dotson to the other two-way spot with Makoka and the other two-way spot. And there is a hypothetical possibility that they like one of those players that they bring in for training camp so much so that they decide to wait Felicio because they want that roster spot and they want to give it to one of those people they bring to training camp. So my anticipation would be that at least one, if not two, of those extra three people they can bring to training camp are guards. That's what I'm anticipating because that's basically where they are now as far as what other options they have remaining and, like, you know, assuming no immediate trades are happening before the season starts. Though that You're down to your last option there with bringing somebody in for training camp, waving Felicio and giving that player, one of those three extra players, his roster spot. Um, as for the uh, the query about Rondo, obviously after the fact now, we know what the asking price was. He went to Atlanta, which is funny because Chris Dunn also ended up in Atlanta. Um, but two years, 15 million is what the Hawks gave Rondo. Seven and a half this season, seven and a half next season, fully guaranteed. So when you think about the fact that the Bulls used five million of that a shade over nine million mid-level exception at their disposal, they could have used that exact same mid-level exception contract to sign Rondo to a deal that pays him seven point five million this season. So they could have afforded him hypothetically. We didn't hear anything about Rondo having the Bulls on his list of teams that he was interested in playing for. We didn't hear anything about the Bulls being interested in Rondo's services, just the, the phrase, you know, veteran guard, which was pretty vague. And who knows, man? Maybe like Rondo's still got a little PTSD from his time in Chicago in the three alpha season. Like, yeah, Jim Boylan's gone, so he doesn't have to worry about, you know, towel fights. And, and you know, John is in a closet and Gar is gone. And, you know, maybe it, it would be a, a, a fresh start, but 
you know, maybe not ready, not quite ready to revisit that. You know, just like, you know, Jim leaves, uh, you know, Scranton and, and gets a promotion and a beautiful office with a beautiful view to go work for the Stanford branch. And then it's like, oh, just kidding. The Stanford branch is closing. You got to go somewhere else. Do you want to go back to Scranton so soon? Uh, I don't know. I've got my reservations about this. Does anybody out there, I wonder if you're listening, does anybody out there have a Rondo bobblehead from the night that he got uh, he got benched or suspended for conduct detrimental oh to God. the team? I want that I bobblehead. I forgot that that was like the greatest timing of anything ever. Is that his bobblehead night was the night when he got benched for disciplinary reasons. And that all stems back to him throwing a towel at Jim Boylan after coming off the floor. It, it, it's from Towelgate. And so yeah. if, if anybody has that bobblehead out there and is willing to sell it, I would buy it from you. That's back just like a Jim token. Jim was just still an assistant. Simpler that, times. Yes. Yeah, well, not Fast forward a couple of years, and is there any Bulls fan out there who did not feel the urge to throw a towel or shump something heavier and or sharper at Jim Boyle in this past season? Well, he got associate head coach before he became CEO of the team, too. So, uh, Rondo, good for Rondo. He go into Atlanta. Same thing with Chris Dunn. And just a quick note on Chris Dunn. We don't have to talk about him at all if you don't want to, but uh, just a quick fuck you to the entire national media that all of a sudden is is on Chris Dunn like like he is like this greatest defender in the entire world. Where were you guys the last three years? Where were you last year? Where were you last year when everybody was shitting all over Chris Dunn? Now you want to now you want to say Atlanta made it a brilliant move by bringing in Chris Dunn, one of the best defenders in the NBA. Fuck out of here, man! I hate when this national media does this with Bulls players, man. They always do this. They do this after every Bulls player leaves. A guy like this that doesn't necessarily work out here, then they hype him up and and and, and gaslight him all the way to a different team and say, "Yes, great signing." It's it's again with Chris Dunn. Like I get he was a great defender, but where were you guys? Where were you guys last year in Chris Dunn's defense? Where were you guys two years ago in Chris Dunn's defense? Curious. They can all fuck off though, man. I it's just it irritates me when Bulls players leave here and then the national media wants to hype them up like they weren't that same player here in Chicago. I mean, I think that's the reason that he was getting any hype is that they looked at what he did, you know, here. I mean, people were people were talking about him. At being somebody worthy of getting all defense team votes. So it's not like it came out of nowhere. Um, but speaking of NBA national people hyping Chris Dunn, shout out to Michael Gallagher, uh, senior NBA analyst for Establish the Run NBA, who got me my favorite tweet of the day to, uh, yesterday. Worst players on wide open trays last season with at least 75 attempts. Top of the list. AKA bottom of the list, Chris Dunn at 24.1% on wide open threes. Worse than Jabari, worse than Markel Fultz, Josh Okogie, Rudy Gay, Draymond Green, Derek Jones Jr., Terrence Ferguson, De'Aaron Fox. Chris Dunn is the worst of the bunch. So there's some Chris Dunn national media love for you. Oh, you know, and I agree that he should have been one of the top defenders. And I even said I think he deserved all the votes that he got for for all NBA defense last year. It's just, it's annoying when everybody shits on him here in Chicago because nobody watches Bulls games and rightfully so. But then I mean, all of a sudden, I watch with it, Bulls games and I shit on Chris Dunn. What, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, yes, yes, I understand that. But like everybody hyping him up and saying this is a great defensive signing for Atlanta. It's like, well, none of you guys talked about him at all as being an elite defender or one of the best defenders on the Bulls last year. Arguably, Matt, he but, was probably a top three player on the Bulls last year, considering all the okay. injuries. Here's the other element to that, I think, Jordan. 
national NBA pundits and, and analysts have to have a take on every signing, right? Every free agent signing from AD rejoining the Lakers to, you know, D-League, G-League guys getting a, a one-year deal on a, on a league minimum. Everybody's got to have a take on everything, right? So when Chris Dunn leaves the Bulls and goes to a young upstart team like Atlanta that has an exciting young scoring point guard in Trey Young, but not a whole lot of defense in the backcourt and knows that the general terms around Chris Dunn in the NBA so far in his career are limited offensive player, solid defender, of course, everybody's going to say that because that's what the average national NBA person knows. It's bullshit. He sucks. He shot 63% at the rim last year, too, which is something nobody wants to talk about. But I digress on Chris Dunn. I, di- I digress. I, I, I have been airlifted off of Chris Dunn Island, Matt, finally. So uh, a Hawks fans can hang out there you. now. I was there. I was there with you at the start. I just <laughs> I said, you know, F you to waiting for the airlift and just tried to swim. And so I'm just I'm in the middle of the Pacific somewhere. But uh, but I was off Chris Dunn Island a while ago. Our friends at Built Bar real fast. And they've got a Black Friday and a Cyber Monday deal going on right now. I've been telling you about their... 12 original flavors. They had six brand new flavors, but they've got a couple brand new flavors just for the holiday season. They're introducing the all new white chocolate bar while supplies last white chocolate cookies and cream. It has 130 calories, 17 grams of protein and only five grams of sugar. Their white chocolate salted caramel has 130 calories, 17 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar. You'll get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item that you purchase. The candy cane brownie item sounds fantastic. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and 7 grams of sugar. 25% off all products all weekend long at BuiltBar.com. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and get 20% off for Black Friday. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get an extra percent off. Plus, you'll get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased again go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20 percent off for black friday and cyber monday these are awesome so go get your built bars right now all right let's get into some more texts and voicemails matt uh we've got i think one more voicemail to play here uh let's get to it hey guys this is kenny from atlanta uh this is my first time calling i just wanted to run something by you guys real quick this is something I've been thinking about, you know, since the pretty much the end of the draft lottery. Uh, obviously, this is a Bulls podcast, but I just wanted to comment on the way that the Timberwolves treated the first overall pick. Immediately after the lottery, they started trying to shop the pick, and they made it clear that they didn't want any of the players in this draft enough to keep the pick. I feel like this probably tanked the value of the pick, even though everyone came in saying it was a weak draft already. And if you look at Golden State, for example, after working out Denny, they made it seem like they were in love with the guy, most likely angling for a Wendell or Lowry trade to swap picks with the Bulls, who they assumed would take, you know, Denny, LaMelo, or Wiseman. If the Bulls really wanted any of those guys, they might have traded up, but since they weren't into the idea, they just didn't. Another example of this is trading a star player. When you look at, like, John Wall, for example, he requests a trade and it drops his value a little bit as opposed to the Wizards shopping him in private, you know, keeping his value where it was. Same thing with Anthony Davis. Teams know you don't want a player or a pick, so the value isn't as high as if you made it seem like you really wanted the guy, but you're just open to other options. And I don't know, I just feel like they kind of dropped the ball with that. If they really didn't want Anthony Edwards or whoever else was there, they should have treated it like they really wanted the guy, you know, kind of do some reverse psychology. But I just wanted to get you guys' comments on this. Right, Google. That's an interesting question, Matt. I think... 
from what I was reading, I think a lot of teams were terrified of being in the position of where the Timberwolves were and having to make the first selection overall. Like I was reading around and it said if I was in the Timberwolves spot, I would be absolutely fucking terrified because I, I like a lot of teams couldn't even decide who the top player in this draft was when it was all set and done. Like it was it Edwards, was it Ball, was it Wiseman? And do you make a mistake at one that could set your franchise back, you know, three, five, six years? And now the Timberwolves aren't in that position because they still have two stars they've got D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns but I think he does have some good points about dropping and tanking the value of that first pick with them trying to shop it all over the place that's if you buy the rumors or not yeah I mean I think it's a a valid point and and shout out to Kenny uh, in Atlanta always appreciate and enjoy when when people call in or, or text in for the first time so welcome to the party pal um as far as what Minnesota did to kind of kill the value of their own pick, because it, it wasn't surprising to me to, to hear that Minnesota and Golden State uh, and maybe even Charlotte to a degree were looking to shop those top three picks because, again, nobody was in love with anybody in this draft class. Widely considered to be the weakest draft class in years. No sure thing number one pick. No sure thing top three, even though people just eventually said, well, it's a three-player draft with those three because they're the best of the lot. But it's not the same thing as New Orleans hitting the jackpot last year or even Memphis hitting the John Morant jackpot last year um, or or even picks in, in 18 and, and 17 going back the last three years. This draft class is not like that as far as we all know. And again, Fast forward five years from now, and we could be looking at certain diamonds in the rough that came out of this draft class thinking, wow, nobody knew that this kid was going to be a star in this league because you, you always get one or two of those. But across the board, everybody agreed, poop draft class. So, of course, Minnesota is going to just let it known, let it be known right out of the gate. Yeah, this number one pick is available. If you want it, what will you give us for it? You have to consider the fact of their their franchise too and where they are. Like Minnesota's had one playoff appearances appearance in what fifteen years. That was going back to Butler. So they're kind of in a position where making the playoffs is more advantageous for them compared to a team maybe like the Warriors or like the Bulls who we're not there just to get our ass kicked in the first round, and that's not something that we would be happy about or we're fighting for. We're kind of in a different situation, but you look at those smaller markets, to them, making the playoffs means more revenue, means more attention on that team. Uh, So those tend to be higher up on the priority list than I think for some other organizations. And I don't think it's any surprise that they went out and shopped it. You've got two guys in Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. So if you feel like you're pretty much right there, add Jarrett Culver into the mix too with their uh, lottery pick last year. If you feel like you're right there, Shopping around the first pick to try to add that third star and really compete in the West isn't far off. I think it did ultimately hurt them. And I wonder if players are, uh, if like a guy like Anthony Edwards is questioning now, like, hey, if you guys were just trying to sell this pick and you didn't really love my game, then what does that say about what you guys think of me overall and what I can make on their team in the future? I think that's something that their front office probably have to consider as well. Uh, But ultimately, like we talked about it, Matt. All these rumors flying around for literally nothing to happen. I just don't think there was a deal good enough out there. The Timberwolves felt like it was worth moving out out of the first pick completely or moving down into this lottery. Like Minnesota wants to be competitive and fairly quickly. Uh, how does this relate to the Bulls? I I think the Bulls were, like the more I think about it now in hindsight's twenty twenty, Matt. I think they were really in that position where they were like, "Fuck it!" All these rumors going around, flying around. 
if one of those top three guys falls to us, that is absolute best case scenario. We take one of those guys. If not, Pat Williams is our guy at number two. And that's ultimately what happens. So I think the Bulls were patient. And that's sort of what they told us they were going to be is take the best player available and just be patient. Right. And again, I think it should indicate to those fans who were just, you know, baffled when we didn't see any trades into the, you know, the top part of the lottery or really in trading up into the lottery at all on draft night, despite all the speculation, which again, all of us that sit here and talk about NBA hoops all day, every day, uh, so, some of which get paid to do so, some of which get paid to do so more than others, got to have something to talk about. So, of course, we're talking about trade hi- trade hypotheticals and trade speculations uh, leading up to draft night because you usually see at least a few of those go down. But the fact that nobody traded down and nobody traded up should tell you everything you needed to know about how every team in the league felt about this draft class. They weren't trading up for. And for the Bulls and some fans saying, hey, man, like, couldn't you trade down if you're going to take Pat Will? Well, no, (laughs) because people weren't even really that hot to trade up to number four and probably weren't offering that great of a package to do so. And if they were, they were probably doing so to take Pat Will. So, (laughs) like, you know, it's just, um, yes, I think, you know, uh, going back and, you know, full circle to, uh, our caller from Atlanta saying what Minnesota did to kind of kill the value of their own pick. I think that was inevitable with this particular draft class. I really do. Um, but thanks for checking in and thanks for being a first time caller. Um, Jordan, let's move forward here. Um, Bulls fans are getting excited. But how excited should we be? Uh, This is an email from Sam in Hinsdale, one of our regulars. Hey, guys, longtime listener. My question is, what do you think Bulls fans' expectations for this upcoming season should be overall? I'm on the fence. Maybe we could sneak into the eighth seed, given we actually got a competent head coach. Or maybe everybody gets hurt again, so it's musical chairs with the rotation. Anyway, what are your thoughts on if we are more playoff or lottery bound this upcoming season, Sam in Hinsdale. Jordan. If the Bulls don't make the playoffs or at least that play-in round, there is something severely fucking wrong with this rebuild. Severely wrong. Like, to the point where Jim Boylan wasn't the only problem. It was also the players on the floor, too. That's what's going to scream to me if they don't make the playoffs. Like, if you can't get into the 7-10 to 10 seed play-in game... I don't know what the fuck we're doing in year four then, man. I, I I really don't. So my expectations are to have the Bulls be surprisingly better than what they were last year and hang around for the majority of the season around seven to ten. And hopefully they're playing in that play in game. If, if that means ultimately you're the 10 seed, and you get to play one or two games and still get a decent pick in the teens. I'm cool with that, too. But any expectations lower than that, man? I think we got some serious issues if they don't make that play in game. I don't know about you. I mean, yes, the expansion to the play in game system uh, that we kind of got a, a sneak peek of in the bubble certainly makes the expectation of make it at least into the play in first leg of the playoffs a more reasonable goal and not feeling like you're asking too much because the Bulls. In a 65-game season, just finished 22-43, and a half game back of the Washington Wizards, who were the 10th seed in the East at 25-47. and So, you know, 
This year, of course, with the 72-game schedule instead of a full 82, you, you, the conversation is, okay, what does it take to get not the eighth, but at least be in a position at nine or ten to get into that play-in tournament? And instead of 40, 41 wins, it's 35, 34, 36, something like that with 10 fewer games on the total schedule. When you look at the teams from this past season, um, you know we can breeze through – assuming that Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, maybe Indy, depending on what's going on with Depot, but Miami, Philly, Brooklyn with Kyrie and KD, all playoff bound, right? There's seven. And then the next tier of fighting it out for seeds eight through 10 are Orlando, Charlotte, Washington, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Detroit, and Cleveland. Now, we don't really anticipate anything special from Cleveland or Detroit or New York. But guess what? The Hawks finished at 20 and 47 with a rising star like Trey Young and the pieces that they added in the offseason. People are talking about Atlanta making a jump towards playoff contention. So you got five teams that you're going to be battling for, you know, the eighth seed through the, you know, nine and 10 play in. I'm not saying that I don't think it's a reasonable goal for the Bulls to set for themselves, but I'm not saying it's a sure thing that they're playoff bound. I think those first eight teams you had mentioned are probably a pretty good indication that the Bulls are, for the most part, going to be fighting between eight and ten, and that still yeah. puts you in that playoff playoff game. Like the, the the four teams I see them fighting with, Matt, I think the Hawks have jumped up into that other tier where they're probably going to be the six, seven, or eight seed. That's all factoring in injuries, too. But I think the, the three other teams that they're really going to be fighting for positioning with for the majority of the season are going to be the Wizards, the Magic, and the Hornets. All three of the all three of those teams seem to be in the similar tier that the Bulls are in. I mean, maybe you could even throw Detroit in there, too, or the, I mean, the Knicks. You could throw the Knicks in there. I think Detroit and Cleveland are going to be the two bottom teams in the Eastern Conference, just the way that their rosters are shaking out. Then again, Detroit, it all depends on with Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, what they do with those guys, how quickly they're able to move those guys too. So you could even be talking about Detroit flirting with the possibility of being in uh, the same tier as the Wizards, Bulls, Magic, and Hornets. So can the Bulls be better than one of the one of those teams? 100%. So that makes me feel more likely that if everybody stays healthy, they'll at least be in the play-in game, which could actually be best of both worlds, Matt. You get a little bit of playoff experience, but you also get a pick in the early teens. Not not too bad of an outcome for a season where you're kind of trying to just bridge yourself to 2021 summer. Yeah. And, you know, do I want to see some Bulls playoff basketball for the first time in what feels like forever? Yeah. Hell yeah, I am desperate to watch Bulls games that matter again. Desperate. Um, the the silver lining, uh, as you just kind of mentioned, if they fall short, and, and like Sam from Hinsdale was wondering, playoff bound or lottery bound, if they're lottery bound, yeah, you're disappointed, but you're still expecting to see some pretty big roster overhaul from the new front office. They took a year to figure out what pieces fit and what pieces don't. It's an adjustment period. And maybe you give yourself a 7% chance, a 10% chance at landing a top four pick in what is widely considered to be a much stronger and possible dynamite 2021 draft class. Thanks for the calls. Thanks for the texts, everybody. Let's get to a few more, Matt, before we get out of here. 
Um, let's circle all three of these together. Actually, these two. Let's circle these two together because they're about the same topic. Uh, this one comes from the 570 and the 217. It's about Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, 570 from David in Virginia says, Thaddeus Young and a protected first-round pick for Dinwiddie. I think Brooklyn would consider a deal like that. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, and then from the 217 says, Zach for Spencer Dinwiddie straight up. What are your guys' thoughts? Either of those deals, Matt, what is your reaction to either one of those? I mean, Thad and a protected first for Dinwiddie, I think, makes... Uh, see, okay, whether it's Thad or Zach, the thing that I am hung up on right now, and you know when we had this conversation, I think a little bit on Monday, that I am obsessed with the idea of getting Dinwiddie back in a Bulls jersey, and he would provide so many things that this backcourt and his team needs right now. Um, and, and Thad Young, you're getting rid of a piece you don't need. Um, so I love that. Brooklyn, to me, is still quietly, I think, trying to figure out how to get James Harden there to come play with Kyrie and KD. Harden still wants out of Houston, and we got that headline, and then you know the draft and free agency happened, and he's still there. So in order for the Bulls to be able to snag Dinwiddie away from Brooklyn, it would have to be because a bigger deal that Brooklyn is trying to get done falls through because you better believe that Dinwiddie would be included in a package for James Harden. That's where I'm at right now with the likelihood of that kind of stuff happening. It's a good point, man. I, I think the that James Harden deal is still going to definitely hinder on whether or not they moved in Witty or if they just start the season with him, right? And just say, fuck it. Let's uh let's see if we can get a deal done at the trade deadline, maybe. And now with the Rockets kind of reshaping themselves a little bit too. I know it's not the same as what they had a year ago, but adding Boogie Cousins, if he can be healthy, plus adding Christian Wood, I think there's still something to be something to be had in Houston, right? Like, it's not just like a throwaway, hey, they're they're completely done, let's blow the entire thing up. I think Houston said they are, they're ready to get uncomfortable going into the season, so I think unless the Rockets are absolutely blown away, the James Harden deal, to me, seems kind of unlikely. Again, it puts the Bulls in a weird situation. Is like, how desperate are the net Nets to just panic and say, fuck it, we're not going to get James Harden. Maybe we can chase him in two years in free agency. Let's just try to win right now because our window might be short and sweet with Kyrie and KD. So let's go out and make a deal right now for that third piece. And the more I think about it, Matt, the more that Zach Levine kind of makes some sense in a deal. But I would have to get, like, for Zach Levine, I'd have to get Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Like, I got to get more than just Dinwiddie straight up for Levine. Like, that and that to me is just the same as the Dallas Mavericks uh, trade that they, the hypothetical trade that was getting thrown around a week ago, right? A first round pick, a young potential point guard that's cheap and controllable, and uh, Hardaway Jr., who's a decent scorer, a kind of a veteran, and is only on a one year contract. Like, to me, that's sort of in the same realm of a deal for Zach and Dinwiddie straight up. Yeah, I, I think you're, you know, pretty much on the nose there as far as what what I would want also out of Zach. And the, the Zach for Dinwiddie straight up, maybe Bulls fans would feel like they're getting shortchanged there because Dinwiddie wasn't a guy that was, you know, dropping crazy Zach Levine kind of stat lines last season. But that's just to, you know, the the common eye of a Bulls fan who watched a hell of a lot more Zach Levine than they did Spencer Dinwiddie last season. Because guess who also dropped some insane stat lines last season? Spencer Dinwiddie. The dude is legit. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm with you in, in that I feel like it maybe might not be quite enough for me to feel like it was a good trade. But I, I told you on Monday when we were talking about some other Dinwiddie hypotheticals, you go down any player on this Bulls roster right now, and maybe with a tie of Zach Levine, I'm taking Dinwiddie over every single name on this Bulls roster, and I might even take him over Zach. I'm not ready to go that far. I don't think so. Not that far. That's why, I, and maybe again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I hold Zach in too high of a value, too high of a value around the league for a dude that just gets buckets. And it's unfair that the criticism Zach Levine gets on the defensive end, because I think he improved a lot last year. Nobody talked about it just because there's a million other storylines to talk about. Uh, but I think Zach improved. And while he'll never be a, an elite defender, I think getting him to be an average defender at best, where he doesn't take plays off, I think that's the ultimate goal for him to to reach that all-star level caliber ceiling that he has. That again plays into the factor of can he score 25 a night? Can he can he average 25 5 and 5? Pretty damn close the last two seasons to be able to do that. Again, I because of what Dinwiddie's contract is on too, you don't get him for a long you don't get him long term either. You only get him for this season and then he's got a player option for next season for 12 million, but then he's a free agent. So it's kind of in the similar realm that Zach's in right now. And again, it just it depends on what you hold Zach Levine's trade value in in terms of how high other teams might see him. I'm a little higher than I think on his value than you might be and the consensus Bulls fans out there might be. Uh, but I don't see him needing to panic and make this move, though. Like, Zach for Dinwiddie straight up, what's the point? What does that do for you long term? Unless Kobe White is is completely blowing you away to the point where you're like, fuck it, let's move him to the two. Let's bring in an actual point guard. Let's just let Kobe cook for 30 a night. That could be a possibility, too, but I think that's a that's an extremely optimistic look at next year. So to me, it just kind of it, it's shuffling. It's shuffling pieces around the board, right? Instead of actually improving. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you on that. I think, uh, you know. Sometimes it's just sort of like grass is always greener syndrome. Um, and I view, I view Dinwiddie as a more capable playmaker and distributor than either Kobe or Zach right now. And again, and I'm still just a little bit salty about not getting Hayes on draft night. And that's that's what I'm wanting. I've, that's what I've wanted since Derek Torres ACL. I want a playmaker in this team's starting backcourt. Uh, all right, Jordan, let's get to a couple of voicemails really quickly before we get out of here. A couple of international listeners that I wanted to uh, get to their emails. Uh because, you know, we love our Chicago people here at Lockdown Bulls, but we also love those Bulls fans who listen to this podcast from all over the world. So, uh, Sean in London asks us, hey, guys, been into the show since the Westerland hiking days. Wow. Shout out to you for being an OG listener. Uh, Bulls content sparse here in the UK. Question. Who do you think we would have drafted had there not been a front office overhaul this year? Jordan, am I wrong in thinking that this is the most obvious answer ever? If it's still Gar Pax, you're taking Tyrese Halliburton to number four. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. 100%. They're taking Tyrese Halliburton. And, like, uh, I can uh, only imagine the older multi year college player from Iowa State. Game over, dude. <laughs> and that point guard that they've been chasing for fucking forever. Like, that front office is yeah. still chasing a point guard after Derek. Or, you know, you know what I, you know what else I wouldn't have been surprised to see them do? Trade up for Wiseman. 
<laughs> yep. I, I could 100% see that. The Bulls have an infatuation with big men who can shoot and that are super athletic. It goes back 20 years. It goes back to Tyre. It goes back to Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. Like, line right. it up. Line it up and see how many big men the Bulls have taken in the last 20 years. And remember, Paxson's still a part of that front office as much as you might not want to admit that. He's still part of that. And I, I'm sure. Uh, well, I mean, our caller from our previous episode said he got neutered. So I, I like that. Let's stick with that. <laughs> well, from our caller, if he's stuffed in a closet, maybe he's just screaming, screaming in the crack of the closet, like draft James Wiseman, get another yeah. big. I, I'm picturing like him being stuffed in like the cupboard under the stairs, like Harry Potter style, where he's, you know, he's got a couple of trinkets in there, but like he doesn't oh, even you have... don't treat an NBA champion like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, whatever. Uh, all right. <laughs> Last one real quick. Uh, this is uh, another email uh, and an interesting trade hypothetical from Giddy in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Hey, guys. Otto Porter Jr. Obviously a solid piece on a good NBA team. Went healthy, but last year he struggled to stay on the court. Do you reckon, shout out to that phrase. I love, do you reckon? Do you reckon that the Bulls could pull off a deal that sends OPJ and Chandler Hutchison to Denver? for Will Barton and Gary Harris. The money matches, but would Denver do this deal? Would the Bulls do this deal? Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for checking in, Giddy. Um, Jordan, my initial thought is all of the various broken body parts between OPJ and Hutch makes it a damn near impossible trade package to send anywhere. What about you? Yeah, and OPJ is easier with the money, but... Hutch hasn't proved anything. I think Hutch is about to have a good year this year, but he hasn't proved anything. And other teams around the league are like, you want to give us who? The guy you gave a promise to at 22? The Gars guy? No thanks. Especially because he hasn't been on the floor in two years. But OPJ is a weird one, man. I don't know what his value around the league is. Like, fully healthy and actually a guy that can contribute, he's a damn good player at only 26 years old. We saw that in the magical February that the Bulls had throughout this rebuild. But again, I I have a lot of questions about his commitment. Maybe it's just here in Chicago, but I have a lot of questions about his commitment. Like hearing Mark Eversley say that he came into training camp out of shape and not really focused, and that kind of uh, led to some of the injuries that he suffered last year and contributed to that, that's not a good thing for me to hear. The good thing that I heard was he looks like a complete 180 from last year and is actually healthy, in shape, and committed. So maybe that's true too, but like, man, there was a lot of things around OPJ last year that I didn't really like from a leadership standpoint too, but maybe I'm maybe I'm just looking too deep into it because, again, the helm of that team was Jim Boylan, and anything goes at that point, and I can understand why you'd want to stay away from the team and be pissed off when your head coach is a doofus like Jim Boylan. So I can kind of get it from that, but do you have any, like, does that concern you at all about him coming again into this season not being in 100% healthy shape uh, and not contributing right away? I, I just hope he doesn't tank his value from where it is right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, and I feel like this came up maybe a couple of weeks back when Otto came up in one of our conversations. To me, I'm optimistic for not only the Bulls getting a useful Otto Porter Jr. to help this team suck less, but I'm optimistic that they will get that productive Otto Porter Jr. because he is at the tail end, now officially opting in to the final year, 
of a contract that despite his talents, everyone in the league agreed was OPJ just, you know, grabbing a bag and, you know, running away like he stole it. 28 million for Otto is insane and good for him and good for his agent. From from his perspective, though, you're on a prove it year now. Okay, enjoy the 28 million. And who knows? Maybe Otto's like, thanks, I'm out and just like retires at 28. But like, if he wants to keep playing in this league, he's got to prove he's got to show something this season because he didn't show dick all last season. And, you know, the stuff about coming into to training camp out of shape and that contributed to the injuries. Maybe there's a little bit of a, a bad blemish on his reputation right now. Even more reason to prove it. Stay healthy, be productive, and get yourself some money in, in 2021 free agency, whether that's to stay stick around Chicago or, or go elsewhere. But, I mean, if, if he has another season like he just had, who's, who's giving him any money next summer? The Kings would be about the only team willing to give him Kongs. money because <laughs> they're the only ones seemingly interested in every Bulls player that they've had. Uh, but I'm with you, man. Like, and maybe that's something else that we can talk about leading into trading camp too. And I'm not trying to knock Otto. Otto is a person either. I just have some concerns about guys that have been paid the bag for three or four years, and all of a sudden they haven't performed up to those expectations, and all of a sudden now they're going into a contract year. What are their what's their mindset personally and what are their personal goals compared to what the team's goals are, right? And I don't want that to be reflected on the floor. Like OPJ taking 15 to 20 shots a night, taking away shots from Markinen, from from Carter, from Kobe White. Like those are things that I think can be like I'm hoping that's not the case. Otto doesn't seem like that guy, but I'm hoping that doesn't become the issue, right? Is Otto's playing for another contract? And it's hindering some of the development and some of the chemistry on this team uh, going in with a brand new coach, brand new system. But maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it's the flip side is Otto wants to be committed here long term. And if it means ending up signing an extension with the Bulls next free agency for some lower type of money, I could see that happening, too. So I think there's two sides to the coin to it. I don't know which one you flip on, though. I just as a cynical Chicago sports fan. I tend to start to lean towards the, uh-oh, he's going to try to go out there and get, you know, 20, 25 shots off a night, and it's it's not going to look good. So I don't know where you, where do you stand on that as far as Otto goes. I, I mean, if, if Otto has any lick of sense, he, he's not going to feel like his proven season is about chucking up 20 shots a night. He knows that he's not that player. He's got to stay healthy and be a contributing piece who people can say, hey, the Bulls suck less this year, and Otto chipping in 15 and 6 a night has something to do with it. And that can still net you another contract in the back end of your prime years. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to all of a sudden be like hero ball Otto Porter, because that shit don't even make sense. That that player doesn't exist. He's a guy who can knock down threes playing off the ball and play some solid defense. That's his role. Yeah, when he came here first, I think his first 12 games or 15 games with the Bulls, when they had traded for him, he shot like an absurd, an absurd statistic. Like, I think he was at 1.76% in effective field goal percentage, and he had some oh, absurd yeah. three-point number. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping that's not the case, but uh, who knows? I, I mean, dude, if, if Otto's field goal attempts per game through the first 20 games of this upcoming season are anywhere flirting with being on par with Zach or Lowry or, I mean, Kobe, like alarm bells, bad, bad, 
awful. What's happening? <laughs> I, I'm with you. Unless he's shooting 59% from three. role player piece that the Bulls traded for. Um, and, and final thought, like on this original conversation starter, which was our, our email from Giddy over in, in Melbourne uh, about Barton and Harris. Like, I, I love that part of this idea. Will Barton or Gary Harris would be two wonderful, versatile backcourt guys. You could play some two, play some three, uh, depending on the lineups, um, who would fit well into what AK is doing, obviously, uh, being that they are guys that Denver paid handsomely over the last couple of years. The contracts, Barton is due, I think, like 13 and 14 million a piece over this year and next year. And then uh, for Harris, it's 18, or, I'm sorry, 19 million this season, 20.4 next season so uh you know that would alter your 2021 cap space flexibility to a degree as opposed to just getting off of autos expiring you got 20 35 million committed to those two players for the 21 22 season so that certainly changes things in that regard but as far as the you know the players you're looking to get in that trade yeah i'm all for it barton harris quality players i just think that opj and hutch like denver you know and to, to use your phrase, farts in the phone and hangs up. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a it's a long shot at this point. Again, like the values of both of those guys could increase in two months' time. We just need them to be on the floor healthy and actually contributing, right? There's an optimistic look at this where both of those guys have a ton of value. Denzel Valentine has a ton of value going into the trade deadline. Like, there's four or five pieces on this Bulls team that I think coming up the trade deadline, they're going to be the ones fielding the most calls from teams. And I think that's a good thing. So patience. I think patience, the more I talk myself into it, it's patience, get to the trade deadline. Hopefully these guys start to pan out the way that we think that they are. Then the Bulls can kind of lay out all their options on the table and say which route is the best for us to go. I think that's ultimately what they're going to try to do here. But I still don't count out the fact that maybe there is a deal that's in place before the Bulls kick off their first game in uh, about a month from now. I think that's definitely possible. One last thing I wanted to throw at you, Matt, too, and for our Bulls fans to consider is one thing I was reading up on is that you know how when guys are traded, there's usually a period of time where they can't be moved again. It's usually about two months. Well, that window has been shortened completely. Now it's only 19 days. So if there's a player that had been recently moved over the last couple of weeks that you think might be a fit here with the Bulls, that can still happen. The The flip and the turnaround for trading guys is only a 19-day window now with the shortened season. So that's something to consider as well. Yeah, I, I like that that is one more piece of, uh, I guess, flexibility. I mean, because like, there's just so many weird things going on this season, scheduling wise, um, and, and just like the new rules and trying to figure out how to squeeze this season together. It's like it's almost impossible to stay on top of all of the things that are happening. As far as okay, what's going on contractually? What's going on with the cap? What's going on with this rule and that rule? That's why like the past week has just felt like such a frenzy. Uh, you know, bridging the start of free agency, you know, this past Friday over the weekend and now into the beginning of this week while we're still seeing, you know, the last few dominoes fall of players signing deals. All of this has happened in such a ridiculously short amount of time. And now, as you said uh, on yesterday's show, training camps a week away. Like, and uh, by the way, we are now less than a month from the Bulls theoretical opening night tip off December 22nd. It's like, that's less than a month away. So, you know, 
I, I know, obviously, there's a lot of pressure for these executives, not just here in Chicago with AK and Eversley being under new jobs and, and the highest titles they've ever held. But there's there's pressure on these executives across the league to get all of their I's dotted and T's crossed, so to speak, in what has been like a ridiculously sped up offseason. That's for sure. I'm excited for it, though, man. We've got... We've got preseason games in about three weeks. We've got training camping opening up in a week. And now we're actually going to be able to hear from these guys on pretty much a regular basis, which is kind of cool considering we haven't heard much over the last eight months. So it's going to be good to just be back in that routine. And maybe it can distract you if you're a Chicago fan. It can distract you from the uh, ever falling and destructive Bears team that you have to continue to watch every Sunday. Uh, so the Bulls, most one of the most, opti- most optimistic outlooks here, which is insane to say. I never thought I was going to say that in 2020, but they might be the most optimistic looking team right now in this city as far as the five major teams go in this town. But I'm, I'm fired up, man. I'll be excited to watch their first regular season game in forever as opposed to the disgusting bread and giant pit in my stomach I'm feeling about the Bears traveling to Green Bay Sunday night. That is for sure, and I think a lot of Bulls fans can agree with that. But I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thanks for listening. Thanks for dropping all your questions, your texts, your voicemails, your emails, your tweets, all of that. We really appreciate it. 331-979-1369, the place to hit us up. We will be back on Friday, so have a good Thanksgiving. Hopefully these two episodes that you guys got that were damn near an hour long bridge the gap between no episode on thanksgiving day so enjoy the holiday enjoy the great food enjoy the football all day long and most importantly enjoy your family stay safe stay healthy out there for matt peck i'm jordan malley bulls nation have a wonderful holiday we will be back on friday with a fresh episode for jordan and matt we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba for more content and to stay up to date head over to lockedonbulls.com